Hello and welcome into another episode of BTN's Take 10 podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN.com, and we are now on episode six of the show. These have been really fun to do so far, just talking to some prominent people affiliated with the Big Ten, and I'm thrilled to say we got another great guest to join the pod this week. And we definitely didn't have to go very far to find him. It's Northwestern basketball player Scotty Lindsay, who actually just started a summer internship here at Big Ten Network. He's overworking in our original programming department, which definitely aligns well with his TV, film, and radio major at Northwestern. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Scotty, that's Scotty with I-E, Lindsay, and follow him getting buckets on the court next season for the Wildcats. And before we get into it, for any new or recurring listeners out there, I just want to remind you to please go onto iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, whatever online listening service you use, and just subscribe, rate, comment on the show. We got a great reaction to last week's episode with former Purdue great Robbie Hummel, and it's definitely a huge help when people are engaged and letting us know they like the show. We love the feedback. But that's enough begging from me for today. Let's bring in all Big Ten guard, Scotty Lindsay. I'm very excited to be joined in studio by senior-to-be for Northwestern men's basketball and current intern here at Big Ten Network, Scotty Lindsay. What's up, Scotty? How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, so you started last week here at, at Big Ten Network among the uh, big crop interns we brought in. Tell me, what's your what's your official role here? Uh, my official role here is just working as an intern in the original program department and um, just here to do know whatever my bosses asked me to do so it could be editing one day picking out highlights yeah um just you know ciphering through film all that type of stuff yeah and the original programming department that's the department that produces uh, a lot of the shows you'll see on big 10 network especially uh btn the journey which i'm sure a lot of big 10 fans are, are familiar with that was always one of my favorite sports shows before i even started working here that was one i i definitely couldn't miss what are some of the things that your bosses here have had you do so far well, uh, my first week here, I started looking at some of the highlights for the 12 players entering the draft. So I uh, tried to pick out some of their best plays and uh, make up some sort of highlight tape for them for when they get their names called. Um, I've also just been sitting in on meetings and you know seeing the processes of you know what you know we'll be covering the journey and what type of questions will be asked and things like that. How do you like it so far here? So far, it's been really fun. Um, I think it's really good to see what goes on behind the scenes with the BTN. I think it's, you know, not easy what they're doing. And when the finished product comes out, it's really great. So it's it's good to see the process of everything. Uh, so when, uh, when how long does the internship go? When do you go back to, to school full time? The internship goes uh, to August 18th. So um, I still will have a little bit of time. Um, we go back to school in September. Unfortunately, starts September, late, don't yeah, they? Yeah. Late September, so I'll still have pretty good chunk of summer left. So how's the uh, commute in in the morning? You, you coming from Evanston or? Yeah, yeah, I ride the L. Um, it's a train station right by my house. So I get on that and down here is about a 40 minute ride, 45 minute and then back home is like an hour. So, you know, I'm used to it. I rode the train um, to my high school every day. So I'm used to riding the train, so. Sure. How did uh, this opportunity come about? How, how did you get put in touch with the people here at BTN? Well, just going through my athletic department, um, assistant AD, there's a lot of people that, you know, I just asked around about um, having an internship here and something that I'd be interested in is, 
you know, broadcasting, and BTN is one of the best sports networks, so I just wanted a little bit of experience, and they helped me out and got me in contact. So this this is your major at school, right? You're a TV, film, and radio Yeah, radio, radio major. Film, yeah. What made you decide to, to pick that at Northwestern? Well, I always have wanted to be a broadcaster uh, since I was young. Um, my parents and my family always told me that I had so much knowledge about many sports and that I should want to talk about it on TV. And I just took that idea and tried to run with it. And at school, I think that's a really good department for me to be in while being a basketball player too. So I, you know, I've always wanted to do it, and I thought our TVF program would be good for me. Definitely getting some firsthand experience at Northwestern yeah. on the on the court, probably better than most people. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that they have you do in your coursework at Northwestern? Well, so far I've been in many classes that give us another background look at not only TV but movies and how they're made and the different cameras that are used and the different shots and lighting and production. But I've also, you know, shot movies myself. Um, I've shot a silent film, short film, documentary, and I've edited those movies. And I was an audio guy, so I've done. I have a lot of experience doing this stuff. Yeah, Northwestern has a pretty good reputation as far as a, a media institution. Did that go into your decision-making process at all when you chose them to play basketball? Yeah, for sure. I knew that Northwestern was, you know, a very well-rounded academic school. So whatever I wanted to choose to major, and I knew it would be a good, you know, good department for me. So. Yeah, I knew that going in, and that was one of the factors that made me want to come to Northwestern. Yeah, so getting into your decision-making process a little more, you're from the Chicagoland area, like you said. You went to Fenwick, um, right around here. And you were originally considering some other schools, including including Vanderbilt, right? Mm-hmm. So you went on a visit to Vanderbilt. Was it before your senior year? Right before my senior year. And what happened there that was pretty significant? Well, I loved the, uh, the Vanderbilt visit. Um, I loved the area. I love the campus. I just like the feel, um, and I just was playing pickup. And uh, in the last game, just tried to go for a dunk and uh, broke my leg, and uh, that kind of derailed a little bit of my recruitment. Uh, but you know, some of the schools that I that I really liked stayed in there, and Northwestern was one of the schools that I was still considering and really liked. And they said that they didn't care that I broke my leg; they still believed in me. And they still wanted me to come here, so I'm forever grateful to Coach Collins for the opportunity that he gave me, even though I broke my leg. So after you broke your leg, did that rule it out, rule Vanderbilt out in your in your mind as somewhere you would go, or were you still considering them? Um, it kind of did. I just didn't want to go back there and relive that bad memory. Sure. Um, so yeah, that breaking my leg in that gym kind of just ruled them out. That story resurfaced a little bit because you guys played yeah. Vanderbilt in, in your first ever NCAA tournament game. Yeah. Um, so spoiler alert for any of the listeners out there who didn't know, Northwestern made the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, I, I know the Wildcat alums in the media didn't made a made a big deal about it, and rightfully yeah. so. Um, but but for real, what kind of draw was that for you? Potentially getting to the, the school's first NCAA tournament, and was that part of Coach Collins' sales pitch when he recruited you? Yeah, for sure, that definitely was. He, um, told me in all my recruiting class that uh, it's nothing like being the first. It's a very special feeling, and he thought we would be the group that would be able to make it. And um, just after all the years and all the hard work and all the hours of work that we put in, it just really feels great that we finally made it, and we're excited to try to accomplish even more next year. Sure. And the department you're working for here at BTN now, uh, original programming, profiled you on BTN The Journey last year. 
it was a breakout season for you. You were third team all Big Ten. And they in the interviews, your parents and some of the people they talked to mentioned how you really grew up after maybe struggling as an underclassman a little bit. It wasn't always really smooth sailing, was it, as an underclassman when, when you were uh, in your first couple of years at Northwestern? No, uh, for sure. Um, you know, I had to work extremely hard just to get out there on the floor and, you know, be able to do all the things I wanted on the court. And uh, I think uh, after my sophomore year, um, I just figured that I had to work a little bit more hard than everyone else just to be able to get out there on the court. That's just how it is going to be for me. And I just took that mindset that I got to work harder than everyone else. And that's what I did for all those months leading up to the start of my junior season. And I think that's why I had a breakout year. So give me some of the specific changes you made maybe to your day-to-day lifestyle, your workout regimen. What does that mean, working harder than everyone else? What, what changes did you make? What it means is, you know, you have to go in the gym multiple times a day. You can't just practice and go home and think that you're going to get better. I mean, you're just doing regulars. Many other people that are doing extra, so you sure. have to do extra in that part of it. You also have to kind of, you know, be consistent with everything in your life. you got to kind of make a schedule. And you got time to do your work, your homework, and then you got time to chill out, you got time to get in the weight room, you got time to shoot. So you just have to be very organized and you gotta be committed to working hard in every area of your life. Yeah, you mentioned in previous interviews that I believe it was after your sophomore season that uh, your first two seasons you had started, I think 13 games combined, you ended up starting 32, all 32 games you appeared in after your junior season. And you mentioned after your sophomore season that Coach Collins called you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was that an in-person conversation? How did that conversation go, and what did he say to challenge you? Well, he just said that he thought that I had a lot of potential and I wasn't living up to it. Um, he thought I didn't get in the gym enough. He thought I didn't work hard enough. and He honestly didn't think that I wanted it. And um, I honestly took it to heart because, uh, you know, I didn't come here just to be you're a regular player or a player that just gets in 15 minutes a game and may have a good game, may have a bad game. I feel like I've worked too hard over the span of my playing career to just settle for being a regular player. So um, just got in the gym and I agreed with everything he said, listened to him and took it to heart and made those changes. So he actually pulled you aside, like pulled you in his office and, and laid it all out for you like that? Yeah. How did you react? How did you leave that meeting? What was your... What was your head at when you when you left that meeting? Well, it's hard to, you know, listen to someone really like getting on you, and obviously it hurt. But uh, I got to grow up. I had to grow up and be a man about it and make those changes because he was right, and he also is the coach of the team. So I have to listen and you know do what he asked me to do. It feels like in today's college basketball, a lot of players might not be trying to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, they might say, well, screw this, I'm out, I'm, I can transfer, there's all these other schools that might want me. Why did you stick it out in an era where there are so many transfers in college basketball? Um, just the fact that, you know, I, I don't want to be a quitter. Um, I thought that it was a great opportunity for me to go to Northwestern, be close to home, have a great education and play in the Big Ten. I didn't want to give that up just because, you know, I wasn't working hard enough or, you know, I didn't get in when I wanted to. Um, I just said, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stick it out because I know I have the talent to do it. I just have to work hard. Who were some outside influences that guided you in that direction? I mean, your parents, you have teammates. Who were you feeling accountable to when you decided to stick around? 
Well, definitely my parents. Um, they really wanted me to go to Northwestern. They always wanted me to go since I was little. So I, you know, to them, I wanted to stick it out. Um, and to my teammates, you know, all of us are friends. We love being around each other and I didn't want, you know, quit on them either. And then myself, uh, I just had to prove to myself that I belonged and, you know, I could really shine on this stage. Yeah, and it's a good thing for Northwestern that you did stick around because without you, who knows, they might not have had that historic season last year. You were a very critical part of the team, um, and that was shown when you missed four games in February with Mono. The The Cats lost three of those games. What was that like having to sit out and watching the team struggle a little bit? Uh, it was extremely hard. Um, I think it took a lot away from me um, and the team uh, to be sitting out like that. And it was even harder because I couldn't do anything for three weeks. I couldn't sure. dribble, run, shoot, anything. And I honestly didn't feel that sick. Yeah. So it was just hard knowing that like I feel fine, but I still can't play. And I feel like I can help the team. And, you know, they lost a couple of those games. And we were at a really good point in the season. We were ranked and 18-4, and four, I believe. And in those four games, we dropped down. And, started to get like are they are they actually going to make the tournament anymore so it was it was a really tough time and you know sitting there watching and just hoping you could help the team you probably couldn't even go to class or anything right no, i actually went to class i did everything i just okay. couldn't uh play basketball so what did you do during that downtime when you normally be at practice or whatever uh i just was at home um doing my work watching netflix mm-hmm. You know, just chilling out because I couldn't really do anything else. What are some of those Netflix shows you watch? Um, I watched uh, this. I watched Friends, The Office, the classics. Yeah, the classics. Uh, and I also have this one show, this animated show that the whole team loves. Which one's that? And it's called Troll Hunters. It's okay. It's like a Netflix original show. It's like an animated show that the whole team just. Really is, it, is it like a kids? Is it a cartoon or what is? Yeah, it's an animated cartoon. Is it like a kids cartoon or is it like a Family Guy type cartoon? No, it's not. No, it's not as bad as Family Guy. But uh, the kids are in high school, so I guess it's kind of like kids. I have to check that out. I've never, I've never heard of that. But um, so during that downtime, you had during that uh, four game stretch, Northwestern did have one big win, yeah. and that was at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And that was seemed like it was one of those classic moments from that yeah. season. I believe it was uh, Sanjay. Lumpkin got the dunk. Mm-hmm. Chris Collins was fired up on the sideline. And like I said, that's one of those iconic plays in a season that had a, a good handful of those type yeah. of moments. So there's definitely a few to choose from, but what was your favorite moment from this past season? Um, I have two. Um, the play with Derek and Nate was definitely, you know, the most important play of the, the season. The Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that play goes back to uh, our Big Ten tournament loss in 2016. We played Michigan, and we're kind of on the bubble. You know, we needed like two or three wins in the Big Ten tournament to try to make the NCAA tournament or even make the NIT. And we went right down to the wire in that game. It was a couple questionable calls, a couple turnovers, and we lost by two. And that was like a really hard loss for us against Michigan. Sure. And then we come to this season, and it was like, all right, we need we need to have this win to make the tournament. Right. And against Michigan, and they were, I think they won the last three games. They were on fire. Yeah. And they just beat Purdue, who was number one in conference. So I think that win was definitely the biggest win 
um, of the season and probably of Northwestern. I, I think it goes with the Wisconsin win, the Vanderbilt win. But that win really, I think, put us in the tournament. And then the other one was beating Maryland in the in the Big Ten tournament right. because we haven't beat Maryland in all of our years there. And Coach Collins' time there and all of everyone else's time. And uh, it wasn't a game that, you know, we had to win, but it was more of a pride thing because – Like you said, you hadn't won the uh, yeah, Big Ten tournament game yet. Them, and we never made it to the Final Four of the Big Ten tournament. Right. And we've played Maryland really tough, you know, a couple times, and we kind of choked at the end. So to beat them basically in their house in front of, like, I don't know, 15,000 fans was just an awesome feeling. I was going to say, that was an underrated moment because that atmosphere yeah. at Verizon Center that night was crazy. I mean, that was a Friday night mm-hmm. in D.C. It was, it was uh, Maryland's home turf. Yeah. They were fired up. And it was like an NBA – not even like an NBA game. It was an NBA arena. Mm-hmm. But it was like uh, – college football atmosphere almost because everyone had probably been out all day you know and that was just a huge you know win for you guys that that silenced the crowd and kind of spoiled their tournament um so yeah you guys were so heavily covered throughout a lot of the season we get uh, a lot of fans and national you know college hoops fans got to know you guys personally because of the amount of coverage you received but i want to hear a behind-the-scenes story that uh, fans might not know about. And that could be about teammates. It could be about your coaches. It could be about a road trip, a road arena. Just give me something that happened during the season that fans would probably find interesting but might not know about already. Well, I think uh, the theme of our season started in October and right when the Cubs won. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coach Collins is a huge Cubs fan. And we're all, like, watching the games – talking about the games and he told us at the beginning of the season like none of the players that the Cubs have hold like the burdens of the past on them and they don't think about the 108 years so he basically paralleled us and the Cubs and said we want you to be like them don't hold back don't hold let the past hold you back and don't think about it at all and as the season went on we started so well we got ranked and everything and then you know, I got sick, we lost a couple games, and then he just threw that out the window. He's like, you got to confront the past now because really? if you don't, I mean, we're not going to make the tournament. You got to actually face the issue head on. And, um, yeah, for that Michigan game, we totally threw that out the window. And it was like, if we don't win it, like, we never mentioned the tournament, ever. Like, we don't talk about, okay, we need these couple wins to make the tournament. We need to win these games to make the tournament. We never discussed the tournament at all in the season, no matter how many times people asked us about it. Yeah. And for that game, we discussed the tournament fully. Okay. Like, if we don't win this game, we won't make the tournament. And that was just interesting because our whole motto was not thinking about the tournament. Sure. And not thinking about the past. And for that game, we did. We changed our whole mindset. I feel like there were so many moments in that season where – you know, the media would be like, okay, this is the game that Northwestern clinched the tournament. This is the game they locked it down. And then you guys would lose or there'd be a setback. And it'd go right back to that conversation of, well, are they still in the bubble? You know, are they going to are they gonna uh, succumb to the pressure down the stretch? But then once that, that Michigan game happened, there was no doubt. Yeah. So did, uh, did Coach Collins make Cubs fans out of the whole team or were some people kind of kind of annoyed by that? I think that everyone except for the guys – from Cleveland, Derek and uh, Gavin, they were kind of salty. <laughs> but, uh, 
I think everyone's starting to pay attention a little bit more and just root for the Cubs a little bit. And yeah. I think we got a couple fair weather friends that are just like Cubs fans because right. they won or whatever. But yeah, I think it was just they're a big inspiration for us because of all that they went through. Do they have you guys at the ballpark uh, for? Because I know Coach Collins has been there before. Did, did yeah. you guys get to go or do anything with them? No, we haven't been as a team to a Cubs game yet. It's not hopefully. too not too late for that yeah, though. Hopefully that changes. Uh, so speaking of Coach Collins, um, one of the funnier storylines was his his dad on the sidelines being a recurring theme. People would show his dad Doug Collins just pretty much going crazy on the sidelines because he was so into the games. Yeah. Did you see those reactions in the stands? Yeah, we see them all the time. Um, as soon as the game's over, we get all these notifications on Twitter, and it's since Doug's been there, he's been <laughs> like that. Um, I guess he's just really like he wants his son to succeed, and he's kind of nervous for him. But I would I didn't expect that at first because he's a coach in the NBA, right? So he's been in you know he's been in all he's yeah, been everywhere. He's been in all those situations, but I mean I guess it's different when your kids out there, so. I mean, I can see him in the game, especially at Welsh Run. I can see him running up and down the stairs and stuff right. like that. And in the NCAA tournament, they had him on the Jumbotron. And it was on <laughs> TNT. So, like, we saw it all sure. of him like going crazy. I'm not going to lie. He was making me nervous just watching some of those. Yeah. Like, I mean, I understand that he's uh, he's he's Chris's dad, but, like, that that was crazy. That was insane. But, I mean, I guess you'd rather have someone be passionate than, you know, yeah. kind of distant from it. So... You guys made the NCAA tournament, obviously. You you beat Vanderbilt in the, in the opening round. It was a close game. And then you guys played the eventual national runner-ups in Gonzaga. And that was kind of a, uh, safe to say, it was a difficult ending to that game, especially with the controversial missed goaltend, technical foul on coach, mm-hmm. and it got away from you at the end. Does that one play still stick with you, or, or was it more of a you know, uh, a full game, um, you know, is, is, is there one play that sticks with you from that game, and is it the goaltend? Um, I don't even think, I think the goaltend, if you uh, just see the highlights, is what sticks with you. Sure. But playing in that game, it was the first half. Yeah. Uh, so you guys got know. down big. Yeah, we got down, I think we were down 20-38 at the end of the first half. We just came out really sluggish and no energy, and they were ready to play. And I think that hole really put us down because 18 points is a lot to come back from, especially from a really good team. Yeah. And um, even though we were right there and came back, you know, we you know, got tired a little bit too. And obviously missed the goal 10 and coach got attack. But I think that we dug ourselves in a really deep hole that, you know, if it was 10, maybe we didn't, you know, maybe it would have been a different situation. And obviously I think we did have the momentum for sure. And I think that it would have been a different outcome if they actually called it. Right. But I think if we hadn't dug such a deep hole for ourselves, it would have been much easier. Watching Gonzaga get as far as they did within a few points of a national title, did that make you guys feel better about your performance against them? Or did it make you maybe regret it even more like you had those guys on the ropes, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's cool or whatever, saying that you lost to the national runner-ups or whatever, you played them really good. But, like, we we feel that we should have won that game. Sure. So, uh, you know, it's, it stings, and it's just more motivation for next year. Yeah, like you said, you got one more season now to try and heal that wound. You got motivation. Do you guys feel like the pressure's off now that you made the NCAA tournament? Is it, is it like you just roll the ball out and play, or, or are the expectations 
heightened now? Uh, the expectations are certainly heightened now. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any pressure off now. I think, you know, a lot of people are expecting us to be back and, you know, compete for a league title. Sure. And go even farther. So, um, the expectation is going to be totally different. It's going to be a totally different season for us because, you know, since we've been here, we've never had anyone saying that we're going to be really good this year. Right. Have a successful year. It's going to be very different for us. So, we know, um, we hear everything, and we're just going to try to, you know, have the same type of mindset that we had last year and, you know, work really hard and keep playing together. Yeah, I mean, you've seen what's happened to the Cubs. Yeah. After winning it all, they've mm-hmm. they still haven't figured it out. Exactly. Yeah, so, it's always something you got to be careful to avoid, you know, that, that kind of hangover from all the hype from the year before. Uh, so, do you want to give me a prediction for next season? I know it's... Some athletes don't like to do that. Some do. Uh, if you want to give me a prediction, I'm all ears. Uh, the one prediction that I will give you is we will – I think we will contend for the Big Ten title. Yeah? Yeah. I think we have the talent on this team. I think we have, you know, one of the best coaching staffs in the country. And I think we just have a lot of experience. And, you know, we know what losing feels like. Um, my freshman year, we lost 10 straight. Sure. So we don't want to go back to that feeling. I think that, you know, we, we've tasted some success and we want to test it even more. So I think, you know, we're going to, you know, make our mark in the Big Ten this year. Who do you think the biggest threat to you guys is in the Big Ten next year? Um, I think uh, some of the good teams are this year are Michigan State, yep, Minnesota, and uh, I think Purdue is going to be good again. So I think those teams... For sure. I think Penn State's good, too. They got They're on the come-up a little yeah, bit, yeah. Some good young guys, too. Definitely. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, I know a lot of people were excited because last week the Olympics announced that they would be adding three-on-three basketball mm-hmm. to the games in 2020. So when that came out, I did a little write-up for our website that picked three players from each Big Ten team. Say if the Big Ten were able to send you know three players from each team to, to compete and try and make it. Uh, so I picked from your team, honestly, Northwestern was one of the hardest ones to do because you guys got a lot of talent and you guys are all kind of even at the top of your roster. But I ended up picking yourself, uh, Bryant McIntosh, and Derek Pardon as your three. Mm-hmm. That's no disrespect to Vic Law or any of the guys on your team, but I had to choose choose three guys. So yeah. you think I got that right? Um, yeah. Uh, it depends on what the – you know what type of guys teams are bringing. Um, if you if it's going to be bigs, yeah, we need right somebody to guard a big. And you know we got shooters out there. I think Vic is a versatile defender too. But if it's bigs, yeah, we definitely need a big. Really, I didn't know how to structure it because like you might need a, a big man for rebounding. Right. But then again, like you could send Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, just straight shooters out there, mm-hmm. and maybe not even need a big man. So I didn't really know how to structure it, but. Um, what if you? What about if you had to pick three players from the entire conference to send to the Olympics to try and get the gold medal? Would you one? Would you put yourself on the team? And I guess two. Just give me three. Give me the three that you would send. Um, I don't want to sound too overconfident, but I would put myself on the team. Yeah. I think I would go with uh, Ethan Happ. Yep. And. Uh, it's hard because there's three choo- players a lot that to I got from. in mind. Uh, Miles Bridges is yep. about to be a lottery pick next year. And then uh, my point guard, Bryant, is one of the you know, best guards in the country. And Nate Mason is a really good guard in the country, too. Yeah. Uh, wow. 
I would say probably either Bridges or, or Bryant. Can't really go wrong. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with those guys. And on, on the subject of McIntosh, one of my coworkers wanted me to ask you, do you prefer him with the uh, the facial hair, with the beard, or with the, the clean-shaven look? I think he looked good with the beard. Yeah. You know, I thought he kind of looked suave this year, kind of cool, but I guess he played better without the beard. Did he? Because I remember he shaved it. Yeah, he shaved Was it. Was that in that aligned with your uh, your better stretches of the season? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and then back a little bit toward the uh, shifting gears back to the professional basketball game. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, June 20th. And hope to get it out by Thursday, which is the day of the NBA draft. And hopefully people listening are listening to it on Thursday. As we've seen with all the NBA craziness already this week, this discussion is probably going to be outdated in a couple of days. Like LeBron could be on the Utah Jazz by yeah. by Thursday. Who knows? Uh, but first of all, are, are you a Bulls fan? Yes, big, big, uh, excuse me, big Bulls fan. <laughs> That's because I mean that, that has to come from your your dad, your parents, right? I yeah, mean, you're, you're Scotty Lindsay. I could just as yeah. easily be talking to to Michael Lindsay right now. Tell me how yeah. you you got your name. Well. Uh, Michael Jordan retired in 1993, and right around the time I was being born, uh, he finally came back. But my dad was devastated from him retiring. Yeah. And um, he named me after Scottie Pippen, his second favorite player. So that's pretty much how I got the name. But my parents have always been huge sports fans in general. Sure. And they are fans of all the Chicago teams. So I'm, you know, always a fan of the Cubs. Bears, Blackhawks, Sox, I watch them all. And the Bulls are their favorite. Um, our favorite sport is basketball. So just being from Chicago and um, with my parents, the Bulls have always been my favorite. Yeah. Um, do you remember seeing Scotty and Michael play at all? You're probably, I mean, you're, you're what, 21, 20 right Yeah, now? I'm 21. So, I mean, technically, I don't remember. But my parents uh, or my dad, uh, recorded all of the games. Yeah. And he has a bunch of tapes okay. that I watched when I was younger. And I mean, now I can watch them on YouTube or whatever. Right. But I watched all of those. Oh, that's pretty cool. VHS tapes. Because I don't think I remember seeing Jordan play at all. I think I remember maybe in 98. Yeah. But I only really remember Wizards Jordan, yeah, which is weird. I remember Wizards Jordan. It was funny. He was having like a great game one time. And I was like, Dad, do you think this Jordan is better than the boy? He's like, <laughs> son, don't ever say that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, so with the draft on Thursday, who do you want to see the Bulls get at number 16, assuming they don't trade up or down? Um, at 16, I think... Uh, it's tough to project that, yeah, you know, the middle or I think you never John know. Collins or somebody is supposed to be 15 or 16. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind that pick. We played against him this year, and he's extremely athletic sure. and talented. So I would, you know... I think that would be a good pick, but I'm just really focused on what we're going to do with Jimmy Butler because of all the rumors and stuff that he might get traded. Right, and we'll see in the next couple days what happens. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I prefer that he gets traded, but the Bulls just drive me crazy because it yeah. seems like for the longest time now, like almost as long as I've been following them, they're content to go you know, 41 and 41, yeah. no plan. They're not going to tank. They can't sign free agents. So they, they've always just driven me crazy because I feel like there's no – direction so maybe we'll get something like that in the next yeah. couple of days here but um back to the draft a little bit what's it like for you as a college athlete as you're getting closer to the time when you'll be hoping to hear your name potentially called in the NBA draft I mean that's a realistic option for you uh, I'm sure you're hoping a year from today you'll be sitting somewhere hoping that uh like I said your name's going to get called what's it like watching the draft now still as an amateur athlete 
but knowing that that's potentially in your future? Um, I think uh, I think it's motivation. Um, I thought, you know, my goal has always been to get to the draft no matter what year. Um, and I thought that I was having a really good year this year, and I got sick, and I kind of derailed it a little bit. Okay. So uh, watching this year's draft is just like, okay, I'm seeing what type of players are getting picked and how they're playing and everything. I'm um, also looking at, you know, what they're wearing and stuff. I always looked at, like, the handshakes they're doing, and I want to make handshakes with my brother and sister and, you know, do the little routine or whatever. And when I get my name called and just how I'm going to look, because I think that I am going to get drafted. That's my goal. Um, that's what I'm working It's towards. a win, not if. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely just, you know, watching it. I'm happy for the guys that are getting drafted because for all of us, it's a dream come true. We've worked um, over a decade in our lives trying to get to this point. So definitely happy for those guys that are actually getting their, getting their names called this year. So are you going to be like the crazy suit guy? Or if you had to pick out your outfit today, what uh, what kind of wardrobe would you pick out for the green room? I would definitely do something to stand out. Yeah. I would say I would definitely be wearing a bow tie right now. A bow tie? I would be wearing a bow tie. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of more mainstream now, though. You might have to do a little more than that. You might have to uh, go with like the purple, purple suit. Like yeah, there you go. That That's not a bad idea. I might hold you to that. So next year, Scotty Lindsay, purple suit. 2018 purple suit. You got any uh, friends that you're hoping that are potential draft hopefuls this year? Uh, I've got some guys that I grew up with uh, that might get drafted. Um, but I don't think not in the first round. Uh, a lot of guys. Second round, so like yeah. a toss-up. You never know. Yeah, but so. a, lot of, a lot of those guys in the first round I played against. So, you know, even though I played against them, I still want to see them get drafted and things like that, so. So with the new rule that players can withdraw at a much later date yeah. from the NBA draft and it won't cost them their eligibility, did, did you ever consider testing the waters like a lot of Big Ten and national NCAA players have done? Yeah, um, we looked at it, me and Brian talked to, you know, uh, Coach Collins about it. And, you know, we decided, like, if, you know, it's not going to be that many opportunities for us to get workouts, we might as well not even go out there and, you know, if we have a bad workout, give a bad first impression or anything like that. Sure. Just come back, get better, and work on, you know, some of the things that were weaknesses for us last year. And that first impression will be really good because we've improved in that year. What do you think about the one-and-done rule as currently constructed? Do you think that's something that needs to be fixed or left alone, or do you think it's hurting the college game at all? Um... I wouldn't necessarily say it's hurting anything. Um, a lot of those guys uh, come from places where, you know, they don't have as many opportunities and basketball is an escape for them. And I think that if they have the talent, you know, why hold back? Why right. should they be held back? Right. So I think uh, the one I, it's a lot of players that do go that are not ready, but for the most part, the guys that, you know, are up there are very high on the boards that are one and done already and they should you know, have the ability to go to the NBA when they want. Yeah, it's a tricky tightrope to walk yeah. because, like you said, there's players that aren't ready and they go and then they wash out and then they have, you know, that's it. There's, there's yeah. no other option. And then there's players that, you know, belong in the NBA, could play right now. Yeah. And then there's players like Miles Bridges who could've. maybe would have gone if there was no one-and-done rule, but now he's staying and, and getting some experiences that uh, he might not otherwise have had. I think personally I would prefer that 
the the uh, straight to the NBA rule would be available if they want it. But if you decide to go to college, you have to stay two or three years maybe because the one and done, it's you know it's made the game just kind of. Uh, not really like a farm system, but just you know holding ground for one year, and these guys yeah. go to class till February, and then you know bounce yeah, to the NBA. Yeah, the one that does. They don't. I don't think that they care as much about the education, right? And I don't think they really take it seriously. They just do as much to get by, and they're like, well, I'm only going to be here for a short amount of time. Sure. So let's just work on basketball. So. Sure. And this is the hot name of the draft. You got to talk about him. I want to ask you about him get your opinion would you want someone like Lonzo Ball on your team um I think that Lonzo is a really good player I think he's all-around player uh he can score pass it rebound really well um I think that he is a really good you know he's a good person a good kid yeah um, obviously his father is very outspoken sure and I mean, you could say that's a distraction, but I really don't think it is um, because at the end of the day, Lonzo has to go play. And no matter what his dad is saying, Lonzo has to go out there and do it. So um, I think that he'll be a good fit for whatever team he goes to, the Lakers probably. Sure. Say the uh, the Bulls trade up to a top five pick and he's sitting there. Would you want the Bulls to take him? Um, I'm, I'm not sold on him going to the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, honestly, if the Bulls were to trade up, I would say they should get someone like Tatum or Jackson. Okay. But, yeah, I think Lonzo Ball is a really good player, though. I like his game a lot. All right, one more NBA question for you. First of all, are you a LeBron fan or a LeBron hater, or are you kind of in the middle? I would say I'm kind of in the middle because uh, – I appreciate what he's done for the game, but he's kind of tormented the bull. Tormented the bull. That's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. His last decade, so uh, it's you know it's hard to see him always beating the Bulls and beating up on yeah. Eric Rose and those guys. Same, like he, he, like I watch him. I'm amazed what he can yeah. do. He annoys me with the flopping, mm-hmm. the whining, but also like he's proven that he's a solid dude off the court. Yeah. You know, he's and he does a lot in the community. He, tons in the community. Never gets in trouble. Great ambassador for the game, so yeah. I mean I can't really hate on him. Uh, so do you think the the Warriors being so good with the NBA Finals just getting over with and they took care of the Cavs pretty easily? Do you think them being so good is good for the sport and for the NBA, or do you think it hurts? Um, I would like to see other teams get to the finals. Yeah. Um, obviously the Warriors are probably going to be back next year, probably the year after that. But um, I would definitely like to see some other teams challenge LeBron. He's been to the finals for eight straight years. Sure. And that is kind of saying that the East is a little bit weak. And I think that the East for sure needs to get some teams that can compete with him. Right. Like give him some real competition. I mean, obviously the Warriors kind of loaded up this year. So it'll be really hard for the West to know bring some teams in but the east needs to improve i think lebron i think the only thing that's going to compete with lebron in the east is lebron's age or if, yeah. he, or if he moves to the west if he yeah. goes to la who knows all right but uh before i let you go scotty i'm a cubs fan as well i know you mentioned that was a big part of your season and a big part of your childhood growing up so how did you follow them throughout the playoffs you said you watched a lot of games with with the squad how did you follow them personally? And I guess throughout all last season and then the playoffs when things were heating up. Well, I always, you know, watch them with my dad when I can, when I get back home. Yeah. And call them about the games. 
But I mean, I watch them um, at my apartment or you know um, at the gym, like uh, in the TVs in the locker room. But I actually went down uh, to Wrigleyville mm-hmm. for Game Seven. I uh, watched the first maybe four innings, and then I got with one of my friends, and we drove down there, and it was mayhem down there. It was yeah. Definitely over 100,000 people. I live down there. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> outside, going crazy. And for that game, I mean, we had it in hand for most of it. Oh, yeah. We were in control. And uh, I think it was Rajay Davis hit a home run. Mm-hmm. Totally unexpected from a player like him. Uh, and kind of like changed the whole outcome for the game. So were you watching that? You said you went down to yeah, the we Mayhem, but it. could you see like a TV yeah, from where you were? it was TVs. Uh, um, everyone was outside on the street, yeah. but it was uh, TVs in the bars, and they right. had multiple TVs on. So everyone was watching the game and really nervous because we didn't know if we were going to win. But when Chris Bryant got that final out, it was crazy. Yeah. Everyone was jumping around, hugging random people, yeah. and people were climbing up the uh, – light poles and stuff like that. It was just a sight to see. I was glad that I was able to witness it in person. How late did you stay out that that night? Don't lie. Uh, I would probably say 12 or 1, and I had practice the next day, too. Okay. So uh, I had class and practice. But I was down there, down there late because the game went late. So You can't miss yeah. that if you're no, a Cubs fan. Miss that. No, you know. no. All right, Scotty. That's all I got for you. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Got your supervisor in here. I think he wants to get back to work. So that's all I got. Appreciate it, man. Thanks again to Scotty for joining me. And now that we've met, I'm definitely going to have to make him do some intern stuff for me, like run downstairs, get me a coffee or a sandwich or something, because he'll probably be my boss someday. So I got to take advantage of this relationship while I can. But uh, seriously, good luck to Scotty next season. I know my fellow Illini grads won't like to hear it, but that really was an exciting team up the road at Northwestern last season. And I'm really intrigued to see what they can do next year with almost everyone back on that squad. Thanks, as always, to everyone out there for listening. Thanks to Wes White and John Caselli for producing. And we'll talk to you next time on Take 10. Take 10.